1: us against a problem navigating difference a fight is now it's me against you my way is right your way is wrong you're not hearing me Uh, you're triggering me because of how you're interacting with
0: me and now our relationship starts feeling unsafe You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Hello friends and welcome back to the no more perfect podcast. So today we are talking about marriage and specifically we're going to be talking about what we as women bring to marriage. You know, I've shared a lot about our marriage crisis over the years, and one of the things I have often said is that I did not cause Mark's affair, but I contributed to the dysfunction in our marriage. And one of the ways that I did that is I misused my strength, and that's what we're going to dig into today. And helping me do that is my friend, Dr. Julie Slattery. Julie is a psychologist. She's an author, a speaker with over 25 years of experience counseling, discipling, and teaching women. She's also the president and the co founder of Authentic Intimacy, a unique ministry. Devoted to teaching God's design for intimacy and sexuality. She hosts a weekly podcast, Java with Julie, where she answers tough questions about relationships, about marriage, and spiritual, emotional, and sexual intimacy. Welcome, Dr. Julie. Jill, it's always good to be with you. Thanks for having me on. We go way back. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually thinking about that this morning. I was thinking about when we went, when we first met. Yeah. Help me if I remember right. It was the first time that you hosted uh, a Focus on the Family broadcast, right? That
1: is correct. Yeah. Yeah. You were, I think, my first interview. So, uh, yeah. So that was a long time ago. That was even before I worked for focus. I think they were trying me out. So, oh,
0: that's right. So (laughs) when would that have been probably 2007 I'm guessing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, and so it it really that was a fun interview, and uh, we stayed in touch. You eventually started working for Focus, and yeah. did their broadcast for a little while. And every time I was in, um, I was in. Colorado Springs, we made sure that we did lunch or connected in some way. And now you live in Ohio and I don't come to Ohio (laughs) nearly as much as I go to Colorado Springs. So I miss those lunches.
1: (laughs) I know I'm a lot closer to you now, but nobody comes to Ohio to visit me.
0: So (laughs) yeah, so we have to just do zoom calls. Yeah, I know it. And so thankfully we can do that. Well, I'm excited about our conversation today, and this is a book that you actually first wrote 20 years ago, but yeah. you you used the same title, but you completely rewrote the book. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah.
1: It's the same foundational principle, but everything is kind of rewritten from the ground
0: up. So it's kind of like a new project. Yeah. So tell me why you did that.
1: Well, uh, the book over the 20 years had sold a lot of copies. A lot of women would tell me that they'd read it, really helped them in their marriage. But I was getting to the point where I was like, I don't know if I want to recommend it anymore because um, I still believe in the principles, but man, there's so much that has changed in the last 20 years. I've changed, I've learned, I've grown. I think women are dealing with some different things today than we were 20 years ago. And I just felt like all the concepts in the book are really solid, but Mm -hmm. I would say them differently today than I said them back then. So, uh, yeah. So I'm sure you feel that way about some of your books and we can't go back and do that with all of our books, but I really felt like this one is just a needed concept in our
0: day and age. So, uh, so I tackled it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So ultimately, what was it that prompted you to write the book in the first place? Talk about that journey, because I know for me, anytime I write a book, it comes out of my own personal experience. So Mm -hmm. what was that for you? Yeah. They always say that research is really me search, right? So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So I first got the idea of writing this book when I was a young wife and I was really wrestling with how do I honor God in my marriage? Uh, I was in the middle of finishing my doctoral degree in psychology. I had been uh, a Christian since I could remember. My husband was a new believer. He was the laid back, fun loving guy. I was the driven goal oriented person. Mm. And I would read the Bible and be like, God, what does it mean for me to trust my husband's leadership when I feel like I'm more equipped to lead than he is? And I really struggled with the Lord on that and then realized as I was counseling other couples and women, that that was a common theme that women didn't really know what to do with their strength, with their influence, with the power that they have in marriage. And some of them would just kind of say nothing and bury their power and be weak. And that's not Mm -hmm. God's design, but others, probably more of us would just use our influence to kind of take over or be manipulative in marriage and our husbands don't thrive in that situation. So that's really kind of how I was wrestling through that and began teaching that and learning it on my
0: own journey and just sharing with other women. Yeah. So the title is finding the hero in your husband, but I think that you changed the subtitle this time. I did. Yeah. Okay. And what's the new subtitle? Embracing your power in marriage. Yes. Uh, Yes. And, you know, if there is a change that has happened in the last 10 years in our marriage, it has been this journey for me. Really? Oh, when I, and and when I saw the new subtitle of your book, when I saw, and I read your book a long time ago, the original, um, Mm -hmm. a long time ago, but when I saw the subtitle, Uh, It really spoke to me because of my own personal journey and recognizing that God did not want to take my strength. I'm a strong woman and -hmm. God did not want to take my strength away, but I He wanted me to steward it differently than I was stewarding it in our marriage. And Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of damage with my strength. And I've really had to learn um, how to use it for good in my marriage. And mm-hmm. so when I saw this and I saw that subtitle title and in the coaching that Mark and I do, we, we see this all the time as well. In fact, yeah. I think it's growing. Yeah. I, I think it's growing. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Why, yeah do, think- why do you think it's growing? Uh,
1: well, I think if we look even a couple of decades ago, there was a sense that men had a stronger, um, compass or a stronger sense of self where the average man would be like, Hey, like I'm here too." you know, um, we live in a culture that has been elevating the power of women and the voice of women. And at the same time really denigrating any kind of masculine strength. Uh, And there's reasons for that. We could talk about like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement and and some of the abuses that have happened. But the pendulum is swinging to where the average sitcom or commercial, it's just normal to bash men. Uh, You know, you think about just a comment that a wife might make when somebody asks her how many kids you have. And she'll say, oh, I have... I have three kids, not including my husband or, you know, like imagine a man saying that about his wife. You know, I have, I have four kids, including my wife, how taken aback we'd be by that, but we've kind of adopted this attitude that it's okay to trash men. And so I don't think men have a sense of even setting boundaries, healthy boundaries within interpersonal relationship where, and my husband and I have learned to do this. Like he's great at saying, hey, you know, when you said this the other day, like that really, that really, I didn't like that. That offended me. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Like I didn't mean to say it that way. Or when you interrupted me when I was talking to the kids, like I felt disrespected. And I think a lot of men don't know how to give voice to that and
0: women aren't sensitive to it. So it's just kind of a snowball effect. Yeah. Or we don't receive it well. So then we make yeah. it unsafe for our husbands to say it. Yeah. You know, they, that's true. I, I think, I think that dynamic can play out as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 It's almost like,
1: and, and I've heard women say this, like, why are men so sensitive? Like, why do we have to be so careful with our words? Which is kind of ironic because men have been saying for centuries, why are women so sensitive? Um, but You know, God has made us sensitive in interpersonal relationships, particularly within the intimacy of marriage. And so it's very easy to wound each other without realizing we're doing that.
0: Hmm. Yes. And boy, God has a lot to say about our words and the yes. power of our words. And we're yeah. often very careless with them or even... The, like the words not might not be inappropriate, but the tone is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, one of the big changes I've had to make is recognizing how often I emasculated my husband with my tone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just my tone of voice would indicate, it would send a message that he was stupid or mm-hmm. that you know, I wouldn't, I would just degrade him in some way yeah. with my tone of voice. And
1: yeah. and it can even be nonverbals. It can be yes. rolling your eye or turning your back or, you know, like I'm not even going to give you, give you the time of day. So there's lots of ways we could do that.
0: Yes. Yes. I agree. So you have a chapter in the book that's called a wife's greatest challenge, What do you feel like a wife's greatest challenge is? Mm, Well, it's summarized this way.
1: I want my husband to lead, but I wanted him to lead the way I want him to lead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And as Dr. Phil would say to most of us, and how's that working for you? Yes, exactly. (laughs) And when I say that
1: to men, they're like, yes, you know, like my wife is like, why don't you lead more? And as soon as I step into it, she's telling me everything I'm doing wrong and how I need to do it her way, which is really us leading. Uh and and then we get frustrated that he doesn't step into that gap. So that's the greatest dilemma is we want we want him to to take steps, we want him to show initiative, but it also triggers in us fear, control, uh, I do it better, sort of that pride of pride. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it just, you know, it dawned on me one day, I want my kids to have two moms, not a mom and a dad, because I keep trying to tell my husband to parent the way I do, instead of being like, you know what, he's just different. And I have to give him room and actually realize that that's a great thing for my kids to have two different parents um, with two different perspectives
0: and genders. And that's all a good thing. Yes. Yes. Yes, but we keep trying to make them into something other than who God made them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I totally see that. You know, the dynamic that we had in our marriage, and we see this in a lot of marriage, Mark and I now call the strong woman silent man yeah. cycle. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what played out for us. So I was a strong woman and on the rare occasion Mark would, you know, speak up. I would often, um, I would often kind of put him in his place or disagree or tell him that wasn't a good idea. And um, that was how I was misusing my strength. It was, it was how I was emasculating him. And um, what often happens that we've seen is You know, the man only he handles that for so long and then he shuts down. Right. But but what happens is he becomes internally seething and simmering Mm -hmm. and grows resentful in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Do you see that? Oh,
1: for sure. And then I think the woman also is growing resentful because the more he shuts down, the more he's withdrawing. He's not interacting with her he's not sharing in decision making and so she becomes resentful so absolutely and as i know you share in your story you know that can come out in all kinds of behaviors that are dysfunctional but they start somewhere and uh, and a lot of times it does start in these dynamics that we often don't know how to put
0: words to yes Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why this conversation is so important because if we don't find the um if we don't start to see the dynamics that are playing out and our role in it then it really will just continue and the gap mm-hmm. between us the intimacy gap in the marriage relationship will only widen. Yes. And so I, I know for me, I I had to learn how to use my voice and my power more um in a more appropriate way. And I started that journey before Mark started his journey of learning to use his voice and speaking up mm-hmm. and and finding his power in a different yeah. way. Um yeah. so so we can start to change the dynamics. If just one of us begins to change. Oh, yeah. That's
1: usually how it happens, Jill. It's very rare that both of them have like an aha moment. That can happen like at a marriage intensive or something like that. But usually it's one person, God really getting a hold of your heart and showing you, hey, I'm playing into some unhealthy things in my marriage yep. and I wanna be different. And a lot of women will get discouraged because they're like, why do I always have to be the one to start? And it is true that it seems like in a lot of marriages, women are the ones who are reading the books, who are going to the conferences, and they feel like they're working harder at their marriage. Uh, we're just more generally geared towards building intimacy, which makes us more interested in it. But, mm-hmm. uh, but some of it is realizing that you can work really hard at your marriage, but not be working wisely. And this is, that's really the heart of this book is teaching women how to understand their power and how to work hard at their marriage in a way that actually is going to
0: yield fruit in just building intimacy in their marriage. Yes. Yes. And I would say that, well, of course I started paying attention to this in the middle of our marriage crisis, which lasted a year, but It was actually the dynamics of me changing how I used my power in our marriage that ultimately it was an important part of returning hope to Mark Mm -hmm. Because, because he had become very hopeless that things could ever be different. And so when I actually began to bring a different me to the relationship and I began to interact differently and use my power differently, it was, it, it actually instilled hope in mm-hmm.
1: him. So what did that practically look like? I know you're supposed to be interviewing me, but I'd love for <laughs> you to put flesh on that.
0: <laughs> well, that's funny. Cause I was going to ask you the same question about, well, let's talk about what power looks like yeah, in marriage. Yeah. But yeah. What did it look like for me? Um, I started using my voice and my, my power to uh, lift him up and to talk about who he was instead of who he wasn't. So I stopped the critical spirit and I stopped the critical words. And that was hard because I mean, for four months of that, we were separated. So There was a lot to be critical about at that moment. And he had left. I hadn't, you know, and there was infidelity involved. And so there was a lot to be critical about. But um, I stopped using it for criticism and I started using it to lift him up. I, I, you know, I remember when I was growing up, my parents would say, um, they would say, you know, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Well, I started applying that, you know. And, um, but the second thing, and I will never forget this, Julie, is um, I stopped telling him what to do. Mm. And yeah. one day uh, that we were separated, he had not made a U turn, he had not re- committed to our marriage. Um, But we were having a conversation and somehow he came back and he asked me about like, what would something look like? Like if this were to happen, what would this look like? And the old me would have said, well, this is what it would look like. And you would do this and I would do this and blah, 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 blah. But that day I just stopped and I was really weighing my words out. I was spending a lot of time saying, Lord, what do you want me to say? How do you want me to respond? So I was like measuring my words a lot. And when I finally answered, there was a, there was quite a bit of silence there. And when I finally answered, I said, Mark, I'm not going to tell you what to do because I believe that you and God can figure it out. Hmm. And he told me later, that was the most powerful thing I'd ever said to him in his whole life. Wow. Because wow, I didn't you really tell emp- him what to you, do. You
1: really empowered him and you really yes. believed in him and in God's power in his
0: life. That's that's a yeah. great example. Yeah. So talk about uh practically what it looks like, because you really uh finding the hero in your husband is about the power of women. And right. so what does that power look like and where does it come from, Julie?
1: Yeah. Well, we have to understand that there's the power of women in general, but this is specifically geared towards the power that women have in marriage and in intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. And power always comes from what the other person needs. Um, so Joe, let's say I, I have an illness and it's a really rare illness and you have the antibodies. Uh, you're the only one that has the cure. You can ask for anything. And I would give it to you pretty much because you have power, because you have something that I need and you exclusively have that. And so God has designed intimate relationships, uh, particularly marriage, so that the husband has needs that really only the wife was designed to meet. And the wife has needs that only the husband was designed to meet. And so this gives them power. And this is where relationships uh, just go haywire in the early years, because we don't know how to put words to those needs. We just know we don't feel safe. Uh, mm. So when we look at a woman's power in marriage, we have to look at what does the husband need? What has God given men in terms of their vulnerabilities and their needs that I'm supposed to, as a wife, uh, be the provision for? And so okay. one of the critical ones, and this is something that we don't like to talk about today, is this word respect, um, that mm. husbands will inc- always tell you that they want respect more than they want love. And we want to argue with them and say, you know, that's crazy, but it's, it's what they say. And so we have to understand that a husband's need for respect really gets into the fact that men battle a fear of incompetence uh, that they're always kind of walking this tightrope of, am I, uh, am I, am I the guy? am I going to come through or am I going to fail? And we can see this in the stories that men like, like the superhero stories, Mm. even the drama of sports. Am I going to be the guy that hits the home run and wins the game for the team? Or am I going to be the guy that strikes out? And so it's really understanding that every day your husband wakes up with kind of an unconscious question of, do you believe in me? Like you have every reason to not believe in me. You know my weaknesses, you've yes. seen me fail, but do you still believe in me? And so when God tells a wife to respect her husband, what he's really saying is be careful with your power, because if you don't speak life into your husband, he, he really cannot be the man that God created him to be. And so so that's the first area that is so important for women to understand, and it's probably
0: the most important area. Well, and ultimately the story I shared with you, I communicated to him, I believe in you. Yes. And I, when yeah. I said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I believe you and God can figure that out. Right. So yeah, you really see how, and he, I mean, to this day, he tells me that is probably the most powerful thing you've ever said to me in my marriage, in our marriage. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and definitely. then you've got to
1: think, and you got to think about all the ways we subtly say, I don't believe in you. And that's where we get convicted is when we second guess, or we just take over, or we become manipulative, um, or we constantly remind our husbands of the ways that they failed or that we do things better. So it's that constant chipping away that really can deteriorate trust in a relationship.
0: Well, and it's sometimes even in the tiniest things, like, you know, we get ready to go out to dinner and we say... You know what? You pick the place tonight. Yeah. You pick the restaurant. And then he says, okay. All right. I'm in the mood for Mexican. Let's totally do Mexican. And then you're (laughs) like, oh, we can't do Mexican. It's entirely too many calories. Yeah. (laughs) And right there, that little interaction, which we, most of us would say, oh, we're just having dialogue and we're just, but you threw the ball to him and then you took the ball away. Right. Yeah, that sometimes it's just the tiniest things, but each of those start to chip away, and you keep taking the power back, right?
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah. I share a story in the book uh, that was really an aha moment for me. This is years ago when we lived in Colorado. Uh, We we went skiing with our three boys, and I was I'm the only skier. The boys and Mike snowboard, so we got to the top of this beautiful mountain in Colorado. And Mike said, hey, you choose the run. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, just choose a blue run. So I chose one and it had all this these moguls Well, when you're skiing, moguls are not that hard, but when you're snowboarding, they're really hard to navigate. And of course, I didn't know it had moguls. I just picked one. And then we got to the bottom of the hill and Mike was like, why did you choose that? It had all these moguls. Do you know how many times we fell? And I was like, but you asked me to choose. Like I didn't want to choose. So you choose from now on, you know, and as soon as I said the words, I thought, man, this is probably how my husband feels a lot where, Uh... you know, I say, Hey, you know, would you step in and discipline the kids? Or what do you think about this? And as soon as he steps up, I'm like, no, no, not that way. Uh, And you get to the point where it's like, why did you even ask me?
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. I totally see that. And how unique that you saw it from the other side. You were on the receiving end. And it wasn't fun. (laughs) (laughs) I, understand. I get it.
1: I mean, I get why, why guys just sit back because there's no risk. If it's like, Hey, you know, you make the decision and if it doesn't go well, you
0: can't blame me. I, it, I, I understand it. Well, and if you put your hand out there enough times and it gets slapped enough times, you stop putting your hand out there. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So you said um, that one of the biggest, you know, you just shared one of the biggest reasons or ways that women have power in in a marriage is yeah. what we just talked about. Well, what is a second way that we yeah. have power?
1: So that yeah, that first way is he needs your respect or he needs you to believe respect. in him. The second one is sometimes it feels like a competing need, but it's that he needs your help. And when we look at the scripture and we see that God created man he said, man's not good alone. I need to make a helper. And we don't like that term either because it seems derogatory, but really the Hebrew word for helper is the word Ezer, which is the same word that the scripture uses to describe the help of the Holy spirit. So, um, so God creates woman mm. as this complement, as this helper, Uh, and really the way to think about it is your husband can't be the man God calls him to be in marriage and a family without you, without your perspective, without your insight, without your accountability. And so people that only talk about the respect need a wife would think, well, does that mean that I always just have to say you're the greatest and always encourage and never step in. And I'm like, no, like that's not the biblical teaching at all. And that's not healthy. You're also bringing power and that your husband needs to rely on your insight, uh, needs to rely on you as a teammate who can confront you and set boundaries when needed. Uh, And so he desperately needs you to be that trusted teammate. Um, and Jill, I think most of us as women, we either are really good at the helping part and not good at the respecting part, or we're really good at the respecting part and not good at the helping part. Uh, and, uh, and it's kind of like two wings of an airplane. It has to be balanced in order for uh, you really to be building intimacy in your marriage.
0: Mm, Yeah, I can see that. So that's almost like the power of perspective. Like he needs your perspective. He needs that help. And, um, uh, yeah, that's, um, and there's so many different applications
1: of that, you know, even just think about family life. Mm-hmm. the mom is often the switchboard communicating between <laughs> the husband and the kids. And so like, you probably do this too, but I'm constantly like explaining my husband to my kids and my kids to my husband and, and nurturing that relationship through some of the insights that I bring, uh, mm-hmm. even as a woman, uh, but it's also accountability. And this is so key. Um, you know, it seems like a lot of people will feel like once you get married, you're just husband and wife. But you're also friends, uh, your brother and sister, if you're Mm -hmm. both Christians, your brother and sister in Christ, which means that all the verses that apply to those relationships also apply to marriage. And so it's appropriate for us to confront each other in love. Uh, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And so women that will say, oh, out of the spirit of respect, I'm not going to confront my husband's pornography use, or Uh... uh, I'm not going to confront this attitude I see like that's not biblical. And so really mm-hmm. understanding that we build trust through that respect, but then God also calls us when appropriate to use our power in ways that really help our husbands grow.
0: Yes. Yes. And I love that. I think that that is a, it's, it's often not fully understood. The problem is sometimes how we do the accountability, right?
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because that's when we leave
0: out the respect. Right.
1: Right. Right. And so like, I'll describe it like, it's like you're walking on a bridge and you can only walk as far as you've built. And so when we respect our husbands, we're putting down planks to walk on. And so uh, a woman that's been in a marriage where she hasn't, at all respected her husband. He just feels like, man, she's always criticizing me. She doesn't, she doesn't believe in me when she goes to try to confront, that's not going to be well-received. Even if she, even if she does it well in that moment. Right. right, Because he doesn't trust her. mm -hmm. Yeah. But if you spent years building that relationship together, now, when you say, honey, out of love, I need, we need to have a serious talk. He really cares about what you're saying and he knows that you're not doing it to tear him down. He knows you're, you're speaking it because you love him and you really want to get help.
0: Yes, yes, that makes so much sense. Yeah, so um, women have power in marriage Do men have power in marriage? Yes, of course they do. Women have needs
1: that give men power. So, uh, so while a man is waking up every day saying, do you believe in me? A woman is waking up every day saying, do you still love me? Mm. And, uh, and it's just how God's wired us. Uh, I think in our society, we want to discount gender, but it's, it's wired in us. Uh, and, so men have power in how attentive they are to their wives. You know, are they, are they nurturing her? Uh, do they let her know, like, I care about you. I see you. I like listening to you. It can be like, if you, even if you apply the five love languages, uh, you know, is it gifts or, or acts of service? What really makes her feel seen and loved? Yes. And that's why infidelities or pornography use are so wounding to a woman because, those activities say I choose somebody else, which mm. is just devastating to a woman. So mm-hmm. that would be one area of power, another area of power. And this is one that we can talk about, um, because it's not very culturally relevant, not relevant, but accepted is that. I really feel like within intimate relationships, women want to be, um, protected that we need to be protected, mm-hmm. uh, that women are more physically vulnerable. They're more emotionally vulnerable. You even think about, um, the domestic violence and sexual violence that's perpetrated against women. It's way, way, way more than men. And so uh, God has made women with vulnerability. Peter would say it's like in some ways a more fragile vessel. Mm -hmm. And so we need to feel like our husband is going to step into that gap and protect us spiritually, protect us financially uh, protect us emotionally. So,
0: those would be the areas that give husbands power. Mm, you just gave me some interesting insight. So, at night, when we get ready to go to bed, I am often the one who locks the doors. And yeah. I've asked my husband to do it, but oftentimes, he misses one or, and that protection piece is so important to me. And then I don't understand why it bothers me so much. Mm, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I think we'll have a conversation about that. Good. All right. <laughs> It'll That's be a good. respectful conversation. One where I share something that I've come to understand about myself. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even if you think about uh, chivalry, which
1: again isn't yes. very popular in our day, but that feeling of a man opening the door for a woman, or when my my husband's so great at this, when we walk on a sidewalk, he'll always make me walk on the inside because he's like, I want them to hit me first, you know, or I'm a bigger target, and it's a small thing, but it's showing that he's always looking uh, to protect me, yes, and and that's romantic. It's it's written on our hearts. And, uh, and so I think that gives men a lot of power that they, they might not know how to use because at the same time we're saying, but I want to be my own person. Like I'm independent. I don't need you. And so we send, we send men
0: make mixed messages often. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think that's also where, uh, you know because we do see ourselves as strong women i don't need that but at yeah. the same time we are missing out on um we're just missing out on the unique dynamics between a man and a woman so yeah. we can still have the need to be protected and still be strong women right for sure
1: yeah yeah mm-hmm. and it, it's a it's a dance uh and there are some areas in marriage where it's like no, I want to do this myself or, Hey, I don't need your help here. Um, but there has to be areas of marriage where we allow ourselves to be weak. And I have met so many women and I've experienced this early in marriage where I didn't feel like it was okay to be weak and mm-hmm. just melt into the strength of my husband. And mm-hmm. actually if you're never weak, then there's never a need for a hero. Uh, and so that's, that's an important true. part of
0: the marriage dynamic. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and even learning, you know, one of the things that we often uh, we've certainly found in our relationship, but we've see it in other is is that we don't know how to comfort one another. Mm -hmm. Many Mm -hmm. of us grew up in a buck up mindset where we learned to uh, not need to be comforted because it wasn't there, and Um, And so sometimes husbands need to comfort wives. Wives need to comfort husbands. Sometimes we need to ask for comfort from each other. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I need a hug. It's been a hard day. I need a hug, but instead we seek comfort from food or alcohol or pornography, other Mm -hmm. things that um, we turned to because there weren't people to comfort us. And so yeah. I think a lot of times in marriage, that's a soft side that both of us uh, need to bring. And, and that's a vulnerability that's a little scary for most of us.
1: For sure. And it's scary for, I think, even the spouse that's being asked to comfort, like, what does that look like? How do I do that right? Especially as you said,
0: if you haven't grown up with a model for what that's like. Hmm. Yeah. So you have um, a chapter in the book It's it's on conflict. And I want to talk about that because um, conflict is such a big part. And the, the name of the chapter is your last fight. Mm-hmm. So talk about that and talk about the difference between what's healthy conflict and what's fighting.
1: Yeah. I think most of us would at first glance, think that conflict and fight are the same thing. And so there are people that will just say, I hate conflict and I'll do anything to avoid conflict. Uh, but some of what I've learned, I'm through even like the research of a of Dr. John Gottman, who's a very well-known marriage expert is that conflict in marriage is Is inevitable. It's right. It's part of any relationship, and it's not because you you're sinful or not because you're wrong. It's because you're two different people, and conflict isn't the same thing as a fight. So conflict is, as you shared the example earlier, uh, your husband wants Mexican food, you want to get a salad. Okay, so that's a conflict. You have hundreds of those during the day, Um, and you get used to them. Like. I don't know about you, but I like the house warm. My husband likes it cold. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my husband, my husband likes to like see if he can get somewhere just on time, you know, and leave late. I like, like, I feel like I'm late if I'm five minutes early. It's just those are inborn differences that we will have conflict about f- until we die. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have different parenting styles. We have a different approach to our relationship with God. So all of those are conflict. But what we don't realize is that when we don't know how to live with conflict and address it in a respectful way, we will fight. So conflict is us against a problem, navigating difference. A fight is now it's me against you. My way is right. Your way is wrong. You're not hearing me. Um, You're triggering me because of how you're interacting with me. And now our relationship starts feeling unsafe. Uh, And one thing I learned within the last year or so that I found fascinating when we get triggered into fighting and and it feels like my husband's coming after me or he's not listening to me, I actually start reacting from a different part of my brain. Mm -hmm. So I'm reacting from my prefrontal cortex and it's more flight or uh, flight or flight Mm -hmm. and we've all had fights where we're like, man, I wish I could say those words differently or we did so much damage in 10 minutes. What happened? I didn't want to say what I did, but you actually get into a survival mode where you're not able to have empathy for your spouse. You're not Mm. able to even be rational or logical. And so that chapter is about learning to recognize conflict and not see conflict as the enemy, but learn to navigate it in a way that doesn't trigger fighting because you're always going to have conflict, but you literally never have to fight again. If you can figure out how to navigate conflict, conflict. Well,
0: Mm. because this is also when our strength is often misused, right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because when we feel vulnerable, now we're going to use our power to be the safe one
0: and to make him feel vulnerable. Right. So what are some practical ways, just, just a few, just to give us some ideas of some changes that we can make when we're dealing with conflict?
1: Yeah. A few practical ones. First of all, most conflicts should not and don't need to be solved in the moment. Mm. And so that's one of the biggest mistakes we make. And people will even quote Ephesians and they'll say, the Bible says, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Therefore it could be two in the morning and we're furious at each other, but we're not going to sleep until we hash this out. That's terrible advice. Uh, What Mm -hmm. Paul is actually saying there is don't let there be any anger between you and God before you go to bed, like confess your sin. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean resolve every disagreement in your relationship. And even understanding that if I wait, and I spend some time praying and I get some sleep, I'm actually going to be better at understanding my husband, hearing him articulating my perspective than if I try to have a conversation right when I'm feeling it. And so that would would be the first one. Um, The second one, I'll just name one more that I think is so critical is, um, and this again comes from Dr. John Gottman, but get used to and be good at having a repair. Um, and he calls these things repairs, but they're basically ways that you stop the escalation of a, of a conflict. So you're talking about something that's heated. You're talking about, do the kids get cell phones and you have one opinion, your husband has another, and it started out as a good discussion, but now you're getting defensive and mm-hmm. now he's getting defensive. So what are you going to do to, to stop that before mm-hmm. it, it, snowballs into a fight and there are a number of things you can do. You can say something like, Hey, let's remember we're on the same team. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I I didn't wake up this morning wanting to have an argument with you or fight with you. Like, I love you. So right there, that's a reset. It can be appropriate humor that you just, you know, like kind of diffuse the situation. Mm -hmm. It can even be like, Hey, this is getting a little tense. Let's just take 10 minutes, get a cup of coffee Um, or let's stop and pray together. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I think one thing Mike and I have learned is even to recognize that the enemy would really love to divide us and there's spiritual warfare here. So let's pray. And those kinds of things really can help you then reset and say, how do we address this important issue in a way where we're really on the same team?
0: Yes. Yes. Boy, I can see that in so many ways. Cause you know, spiritual warfare is real. The enemy comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. And oftentimes when we start fighting, uh, rather than navigate conflict, when we start fighting, it's, that's really when the enemy is, is, Mm -hmm. is doing what he does best. And that's trying to destroy and kill and steal from us and divide Mm -hmm. us.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. He's against unity and certainly against unity
0: in your marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, before we bring this to a close, we can't have a conversation about marriage with you unless we talk about sex. Of course. Yeah. I'm used to that. <laughs> it is, it is your topic, uh, your specialty, right? Yes, and, it is. Yep. Um, so let's talk about this whole thing from the power perspective and the conflict perspective in sex and, you know, why is, and sex is often a point of conflict. Why is sex such a point of conflict in marriage? Well, for a few reasons,
1: first of all, it is an exclusive need. Uh, I mean, I use that word need lightly, um, but but if you have sexual desire, God says the only appropriate ap- outlet for that or application to that is your spouse. Mm-hmm. And so uh, whether you're the one with the higher desire and you're saying, wow, I'm not getting my desires met like I hoped they would be, or yes. you're the spouse saying, why do I always feel like... I have to have this duty, um, you know. Like I'm not enjoying this because it's a demand. That that's going to create conflict, and that in and of itself is enough conflict for couples to navigate. But then you add to it that sex represents so such deep aspects of who we are. Like sex represents and taps into our shame, uh, our mm. longings, our feelings of being loved, our identity. And so when we have conflict around sex, we or just even different desires, for example, we're triggering all this stuff that is really not even about sex, but sex represents it. So it can Uh. can represent your masculinity, your femininity. It can represent um, the shame from your past that you never dealt with. Um, So rejection feels like Yes. I'm totally unlovable and and so most couples are trying to navigate this conflict or conversation without any awareness or acknowledgement of the things that are being awakened even as they try to talk about yes. it. Yes.
0: Yes. Oh, my goodness. I can see that. You know, when we do um, marriage intensives, one of the things that we do, we put up these great big post-its and we have one for the husband and one for the wife. And as we talk throughout the weekend, we begin to identify their messages like mm-hmm. their the place that they have believed something about themselves or about the world or about. Mm-hmm. And then as we're navigating the places they get stuck It almost always goes back to one of those messages and, and we can connect the dots back and boy, that rejection message is really big. Um, I think that one is a a big one that we often see. And I think that plays out in sex a Mm -hmm. lot. Oh, for sure.
1: It's the message. I'm not good enough. I'll never be enough. I'm not lovable Uh, I'll be forever tainted because of what I did or because of what happened to me. And so you're really talking about like the strongholds that the enemy can have in our life are so often represented in the sexual area. And so couples enter into marriage and they think, oh, this will be a fun part of marriage. And they get into this and they're like, wow, like we're in the deep end and we don't know how to swim.
0: Yes. Yes. So, um, if somebody is having a struggle, um, with the sexual intimacy part, what would be a, some things for them to consider or to look at?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, um, I really think that every couple struggles with this. So it's not if it's we all do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to say, because I think in the past we've talked about sexual issues as if, Most people are healthy and thriving, but there are a few people that are struggling or couples that are, are really experiencing brokenness. And I've really learned, like, we all have brokenness in this area. We all have ways that the enemy or the world has really tainted our understanding of sexuality. So my first thing would be um, just the challenge. And it's a weird question for some people, but have you ever invited God into your sex life?
0: Mm. And people
1: are like, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> he He's everywhere. So whether yep. he's invited or not, uh, it's not like he <laughs> leaves the room. But And it was his idea in the first place. It was, <laughs> yes. But But even the simple step of praying together as a couple about your sex life, acknowledging God's presence, asking for his help, uh, is can be can really be a game changer. Yeah, because and
0: if your spouse isn't a believer, even you praying before, right? Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. and not only before, but after, after or even during. during. You know, yep. like <laughs> God
1: help me to focus on on what I need to focus here on here. Lord, take away these thoughts. um, mm-hmm. Just bless our time together. Uh, another piece of that is getting God's perspective about sex, because. Mm-hmm we've learned about sex in such warped ways. Most people have learned about it from a combination of kind of the pornographic messages of our culture, that sex is about what you can get and you deserve pleasure all the time. And that's mixed in with sort of legalistic church messages of sex is somehow shameful and dirty and don't enjoy it too much. And so you're trying to navigate sexual problems without even knowing what is a healthy sex life supposed to look like. Mm. And so that's, as you know, Jill, what we do at our ministry a lot is just helping people get a biblical perspective of why God created sex and how to build healthy sexual intimacy.
0: Yes. Yes. I, And that is so very important. Uh, for those of you that are listening and tuning in, I do encourage you to check out Authentic Intimacy and um, the Java Ju- with Julie podcast. Um, Julie, what would be a number one? I mean, obviously I want to encourage those listening to read Finding the Hero in Your Husband, but if that sexual intimacy piece is a place where you know that you need to do some reset in your head, mm-hmm. in your heart, what would be a yeah. resource you would recommend?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I just finished writing a book that comes out in June that is really specifically for this. Mm-hmm. It's called God, Sex, in Your Marriage. Oh, I love it. Yeah. But if you're looking for something before that, mm-hmm. uh, a book I wrote called Rethinking Sexuality can be a good start. Okay. Uh, there's also so many great resources out there. Dr. Doug Rosenau's A Celebration of Sex is a great handbook. Um, Cliff and Joyce Penner have written so many great resources as well. Mm-hmm. And then if you're not a book reader, we've got webinar series, podcast series, uh, blogs at our website that might be just a good way
0: to start that conversation. Yeah, and that's authenticintimacy.com. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And I also have a book called, is there really sex after kids? We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So that would be another option if that's a next step. So Julie, this has been such a great conversation. Um, thank you for taking the time and, um, and just helping us to better understand, um, what it takes to find the hero in her husband. If somebody was wanting to take a first practical step, like they're realizing that I, uh, I haven't seen that hero. I have squashed the hero. I uh, don't even know where to start. What would be one first step for somebody that says, I, "I've got to get to the place where I find the hero in my husband"?
1: Yeah, a great first step is just confession. You know, God Mm -hmm. always provides the opportunity for us to start over again, which is Mm -hmm. a great thing. And I've had to do this in my marriage where I just confess to the Lord, you know, I haven't done this well, and I've done a lot of damage and then confess to my husband. Like I, I have not been the kind of wife I want to be. And uh, would you just please have grace for me because it's my desire to learn um, to be the kind of wife that that really loves you and believes in you and is building an intimate, intimate relationship with you. So that would be a great first step.
0: I love that. Would you be willing to close in prayer and just pray for those that are listening and that want to move the needle in their marriage in this area? I would. Yeah. Thanks. Lord, we just do thank you that
1: you always offer us not only a, a a chance to start over, but you also give us the wisdom through your Holy Spirit and through your word to know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And I just pray for uh, the men and women that are tuning in right now and hearing these words that you would just provide encouragement and courage. Yes. Uh, It takes courage, God, to confess our sins to you. And it takes even more courage to confess our sins to one another. Mm -hmm. Thank you that you promise that you bring healing. And Mm -hmm. I just thank you for Jill and Mark and for their story that demonstrates that and uh, for the coaching and encouragement that they are to so many couples. And Lord, we just pray for restored relationships and restored marriages
0: for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing. We have 3 free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org/free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.